Welcome to March 5 Music. My next guest, singer, songwriter, voiceover actress, director, will talk voiceover, and Dave Chappelle. Give it up for my sister, Patronilla. Welcome, Patronilla. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad to to have you on the show. Um, you know, it's it's a pleasure. It's an honor to have you on the show, and I thank you for your time. Oh no, the honor is all mine. I love doing stuff like this. Absolutely, <laughs> this is the fun absolutely. part. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So you know, um, a lot of people don't know uh, about the kind of work that you do, and, and I find it very intriguing to to learn about the type of work that you do. But before we even go there, I want you to tell me, where were you born? Because I love to ask people that question. This way we get a foundation of the background. So where are you actually from? I am actually from Brooklyn, born and raised. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so one of the, the few native New Yorkers. Uh, I have friends who consider themselves to be such, but they go home for Thanksgiving. And I'm like, see, that's because you're not a native okay. New Yorker. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they don't like it. It's all right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. She said they go home for, <laughs> go home for the holidays, right? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. So you're originally from New York. You're a native New Yorker. Um, um, I'm assuming you went to the public school system in New York City like we all did, you know, which was a, a great system at that time. For some part, yes, I did. Um, okay. For the latter part of my sort of um, education, I did go to public mm-hmm. school. But in, okay. in my early years, I did go right. to um, private parochial schools right up through eighth mm-hmm. grade, I want to say. Okay. Yeah, and then I nice. went to public high school. Right, right. E-hole. And the public high school that you went to, um, mm. Just out of curiosity, um, I'm just I'm just saying. Ah, uh, just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah just out of curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to Erasmus Hall Academy of the Arts, um, where I was a voice major. Actually, I was a vocal music major. Right. I originally actually auditioned as an instrumental music. I auditioned for one Mrs. Fleischer on piano. Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, But Mrs. Fleischer happened to be the head of the voice department there. Mm -hmm. And she was Mm -hmm. like, well, can you sing? And I said, sure. And so then I sang in the audition and ended Mm -hmm. up getting admitted as a a voice student. So that was good times. Cool. Cool. That yeah yeah. Erasmus was uh you know quite a few guests I've been on. Greg Mitchell, Hubert Eves, oh. um, Angela Hall. We're all from Erasmus Hall. I mean it was a talented, uh, great school to go to. We all learned a lot. Um, we did. And um, yeah, especially um, vocally, which is like incredible. Yeah. Um, it was, it was really good training. Um, you know, I grew up singing in my church, but you know, that it's a different thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and then to study for real, for real is, um, definitely gives you, um, greater depth and breadth, uh, and control of instrument and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was, I was very fortunate to, to be in that program at that time. Okay. Okay, cool. Now I got to ask you, um, 
what brought you, how did you get into um, voiceovers? Like, how did you get into that career? What, what pushed you that way? Wow. Well, it's a super long story. So how much of it do you yeah, Listen, we got all the time in the world. <laughs> no, okay. no rush. No rush. So I originally got into um, sort of filmmaking and film and that whole bit from the other side of the camera. So I went to NYU where I studied film production. Okay. And while I was there, um, you know, I have a, a bit of a love affair with the camera. Mm -hmm. And so I was really leaning uh, into being a cinematographer at the time. Oh. Um, and, and then also I always wrote and, you know, then directing is fun because, you know, you get the last say, which I love. Uh, right. so I was, I was doing that like independently, you know, small films, short films, things of that nature. Okay. Um, but then I took um, kind of a writing directing course at the mm -hmm. new school, as a matter of fact. And in that class, we all had to serve as actors in every other writer director's piece, right? So this is at NYU. That was at the new school. Okay, gotcha. New school. Okay. And then, um, so when in that performance, like being mm -hmm. an actor for somebody else's uh, script, right. I totally got bit by the acting book, and then I was uh -huh. like, oh. So <laughs> then I did a full flip from right. behind the camera to in front of the camera. Okay. Um, and then with the acting comes like all this other stuff. So a lot of people think about film and theater and you know, you're doing television and that sort of stuff. But there's sure. also this world called commercial acting, okay. um, which is a huge, huge part of the industry. And it's really a lot of the way that a lot of actors make their really bread and butter money. Um, and so I was interviewing with a manager on referral from one of my friends and she mm -hmm. you know we were just sitting and talking and she said listen I've got this audition tomorrow for a voiceover for Johnson and Johnson and you know you've got a great voice do you want to go in for it I was like okay <laughs> sure <laughs> <You're> like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to this audition mm -hmm. and booked that job and nice. so from then on, it's just been like voiceover has been my love. I mean, I mm -hmm. love doing it. Love it. Okay. Nice. That's pretty interesting. I mean, um, like commercial acting, I never really looked at it that way. You know, because when you see someone or you hear about acting, you think about a person on screen and, you know, doing a film. Now they have Netflix and, and Amazon and all these different places. But um, I'm just curious. The sort of commercial acting was the first piece of it from getting getting into the voiceover side. Yes. So when we think commercial acting, there's on camera and then there's voiceover. Um, so they are treated very much the same. Their pay scales are about the same. You know, this is union work, obviously, that we're talking about with SAG. And now it's called SAG-AFTRA. <clears throat> but it's they're, they're nearly identical. And so you you can work in either space it just depends now voiceover is very competitive it always has been it's even more so now because there's a lot more access that people have to equipment and so they can sort of do it and then you know you can kind of cast around without necessarily having to have an agent or not necessarily having to have a uh. demo reel or something like that um but it wasn't when i started doing it it wasn't like that at all like you needed to have an agent in order to in order to work at all there was uh, there okay. was no way around that i see now um you know you mentioned sag and after um mm -hmm. I, I know what sag and after is can you explain 
what the difference is between SAG sure. and after and how they merged, how did that come about? Wow. Okay. So <laughs> the, the SAG after merger mm-hmm. was a long time coming. So SAG is the Screen Actors mm-hmm. Guild, and it's right. the un- it's the actors union that most people know. There's a SAG Awards and all that jazz, right? That happens every year during award season. We're actually now in the middle of award season, so we're doing a lot of screening of things like that and voting. Um, and then AFTRA was the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, AFTRA. So they essentially um, represented two different areas of actors. And there's another, there's a couple more actors unions too. There's the AEA, which everybody knows as Equity, so that's Broadway. Okay. Um, and then there's AGMA, there's, oh, never mind, we won't get into all that, <laughs> but. <laughs> After it was basically radio and television, and SAG was basically film and, you know, film. Mm-hmm. But then they all, at some point, they realized that we, they were just competing against one another, and there was this push to merge the unions. Now, SAG fought it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some prestige issues and some, you know, cachet issues. And, you know, we're SAG. <laughs> <laughs> some cachet issues. Um, you know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but after a time, it just became economically, it made more sense for the actors who worked on film, on any kind of screen, to be unified, right? It just didn't make any sense that we were separate. And so then the SAG-AFTRA uh, uh, joining happened, I, I can't even remember how many years ago, but not that many years ago. Okay. Like within maybe the last 10 years, I want to say. I don't know. Time has no meaning anymore since the pandemic. I don't know how long anything mm-hmm. has been. But <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Being <laughs> pinned up in the house, right? <laughs> so that pretty much that pretty much protects um, artists from, uh, I guess, you know, within the union itself, right? It protects artists. And wh- which way, what way does it protect an artist? So we work under what's called a collective bargaining agreement. And okay. so that is what unions do. Mm-hmm. They... Um, use the the power of the numbers of their members to negotiate for rates and okay. to negotiate for health insurance and um, a pension fund and all that stuff. So mm. right now, the world is broken down into union versus non-union. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so sure. mm-hmm. um, when you work on a union job, Um, Mm -hmm. There is a basic rate that you get. That's the SAG minimum. We call that scale. Okay. And then you can negotiate for more than that, depending on who you are, right? So, like, you get SAG scale plus your agent's 10%, and you don't have to worry about paying your agent. That comes from the producer. Got it. It comes up the top. Right. So then when, when you also work a SAG job, you the producer must contribute to your pension and health care fund so that at a certain threshold, every SAG actor gets access to health insurance and then they pay into your pension fund. So when you retire, there's actually a pension fund for you. When you're non-union, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's a great protection to have. And again, this happens in unions across America, right? Like we're, we're not unique in that, but this is just what unions do. And so when you're non-union, you get paid 
and that's it. Like you're on your own. It's like being a contract player. So I'm going to pay you, let's say I'm going to pay you $5,000 for this. You're going to take your $5,000 and go on about your business, right? <laughs> but the other great thing about being a union <laughs> worker <laughs> is right. a thing that we call residuals. Now, residuals okay. are all the things. So what it means is every time a producer uses your work, they have to pay you. As opposed to they could pay you one time for you doing your work, you're a contract player, and then they could use it ad infinitum on into infinity, and they never have to pay you another nickel for it. So when you see a commercial that's run, let's say you're doing something for a big pharma, right? Like so like AstraZeneca or, you know, one of those big pharma companies, every time that commercial airs, all of those actors that participated get paid on camera and voiceover. That's the giant difference between union and non-union. <clears throat> interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, a few years ago, there were some strikes that happened. Um, first, of, first of all, the Writers Guild went out on a strike, and SAG had also gone out on a strike. And one of the troubles that the producers are having is like, you know, oh, there's so much paperwork involved in doing residuals because somebody's got to maintain that over time, right? Um, it's a right, problem. Right. So what they want to do <laughs> mm -hmm. is sort of do, do like a buyout, right? Like I want to pay you X amount of dollars <laughs> and, uh, you know, and be done with it. And listen, there's a way that that can work, right? Like that's called working like a celeb. So if I'm if I'm Juliana Margulies and I have a contract with Chase, which she did for years, by the way, and she was the voice of Chase Bank, and I think it was maybe two or three years that she was with them, they could pay her X amount of dollars and be done, right? Like, it just is what it is. That's the fee that she negotiated, and they don't have to worry about residuals and paying all this and paying all that and, like, whatever, whatever. It didn't necessarily go down like that, obviously, she is a SAG actor, and she's got to play by the rules as well. But just to give you an, as an example, mm -hmm. I have one friend who had done a, a Bud Light spot that was going to air on the Super Bowl, and he was jazzed because it was like a $5,000 job for him. And I was like, yeah, right. but if that was union, you would have easily made 50000 for that spot. Mm, for the same spot? For the same spot. Wow. So that's the difference between union and non-union. Yes, like sir. like $45,000 difference. Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. That's on, incredible. Right. On the residuals play, right? Yeah, and so yeah. you work one time and then mm -hmm. you can sit on your beautiful behind and right. collect a check. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like check one, check two. That's pretty that's pretty cool though. No, I mean, you know, uh uh I think I seen something years ago. It was something about ASCAP. And mm -hmm. there was similar, you know, to ASCAP is, you know, performing rights organization for music. And, and um, I believe the person had a spot, a commercial, and it ran across the country. And he had an astronomical amount of money coming in, which was mind blowing. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, that pretty much goes to, uh, the same thing with, um, with what you do. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, any kind of performers rights organization, I, I'm down with it. Because, you know, before these things came to be, Performers, singers, actors, dancers, no matter what you did, you were likely getting the shaft on on the cash because you didn't have any options. There wasn't mm -hmm. any power, right? You didn't have any power behind you. And that's the beauty of collective bargaining. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Collective bargaining. <laughs> it's patching you to collective 
Fucking. I like that. <laughs> sitting down. <laughs> sitting down with hide. collective fuck. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it's it's just mind blowing how you know people are taken advantage of because you hear so many stories about actors that are waiters and they're they're waiting on tables and and some of these folks have gone to school and and, and highly educated by the way, but they they their dream is to act. And their dream is to do Broadway, whatever whatever kind of acting um, spot they land, but they just don't have, maybe they don't know about some of these things, and maybe they do. No, I think it's like, listen, for the number of jobs that are available, there mm-hmm. are 10 actors who could do the job. So again, it's very competitive, and it's not that people don't know what it is, but you know, if there are 50 people going up for a single role, only one person is going to get that. And so those other 49 people have to support themselves in some way, right? And people go into service jobs, particularly mm-hmm. in restaurants, because there's a the flexibility there. So right. I need to be able to get out during the day in order to get to my auditions if I can't audition then I I can't work (laughs) so that's that's why people do um, service jobs and things like that and many many I mean many many people Mm -hmm. have I'm hard-pressed to find an actor who didn't have a service job at some point right like in a restaurant like you either attend a bar or you're a hostess or you're a server or whatever because it's it's one of the few jobs that offers you the flexibility of time in your day right so that you can run out that's that's pretty interesting yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. run around and do your thing. Right. Um, I'm just curious, what is it like um like a basic audition? Like what what is it like going for an audition? Because I'm I'm not an actor by by no means. So don't don't judge me. Don't, no. judge me. don't, don't take it there. Don't <laughs> when you get a call, I mean, do you do you receive a call? Do you reach out to somebody? Do you send your resume? Do you have an agent? How does that work in order to get a spot on a particular um um company? Right. So um, it all depends on whether or not you have an agent. Right. Like there's a there's Mm -hmm. a line between people who are represented and people who are not. Uh, So if you have an agent and, Mm -hmm. and I should just say that there's a line between commercial and voiceover and what we call legit and legit is TV, film and theater. So anything that's not commercial. So uh, if you have an agent, then you you sort of wait for your agent to sell you to somebody, right? Like they get a thing called that's called breakdowns and casting directors put out a breakdown for, mm-hmm. let's say I'm shooting an episode of Hawaii Five O, mm-hmm. right? The casting director has 20 roles that they need to fill mm-hmm. and they will then send out to whom, to who that whoever they want to see, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to see Patronilla, I want to see Rick, I want to see Bob, I want to see Sue for the role of uh fbi agent number one right let's just say that so then your agent says okay great this person is available then and then you set up a meeting you set Mm -hmm. up the time for your audition if there's an open call saying not an open call if there's a you know the casting director doesn't have an idea of who they want to see for it Mm -hmm. hey i'm looking for women between 30 and 45 who are black, who, whatever the specs are. And then right. your agent will go through their own roster and say, yes, well, Patronilla is right for that. I'm going to submit her. So once your agent submits you, the casting director says yes or no, whether or not they want to see you for the role. If they say yes, they give you a time. If they say no, you know, we live to fight another day. Got it. 
Um, and it's kind Very of the same thing huh. for commercials as well. If you do not have an agent, though, then it's up to you to sort of submit yourself to casting directors. And there are ways that actors find out who's casting what, what's going on. But really, mm -hmm. it's about maintaining relationships. Now, even actors who have agents, it behooves you to stay in touch with casting mm -hmm. directors yourself, right? And, hey, let them know sure. I'm doing this. Hey, I'm doing that. Because at the end of the day, right. your agent has 50 clients, let's say, like, on a small roster side right. <laughs> let's say your agent has 50 okay. clients well that's that's 50 people right. that they need to keep up with and you only have you sure. so you know right. you are really a hundred percent responsible for your career that's just the way that it is agent or not right it's like really networking it's kind of like social media you have to really keep in touch with people and, and keep abreast on what's going on and your name has to constantly be out there in order to be relevant well right well i think that social media is a tool I think one of the things that right. we're, we're, we're a little crazy about in this culture is mm -hmm. we think that social media is the damn goal, right? Like, that's the end goal. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. Social media right, right. is a marketing tool, you people. It's, it's, right. it's not right. the thing. <laughs> it's the that, thing that right. lets that's you right. talk about the thing. That's right. That's right. But some people don't know where the thing is. <laughs> That's the sad part, you know. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. God bless them. Oh, wow. bless their so, hearts. <laughs> yeah, bless their, like I said, bless their, bless their little hearts. Bless their little hearts. <laughs> now, what, what's, the <laughs> what's the creative process like for you when you're um, planning to do um, voiceovers? In other words, going into the studio, prepping for that. What is that creative process like? Because you kind of like have to jump into another mindset to become this other character in order to perform. Right. So um, if we separate out uh, commercial VO work from other types of VO work, uh, what we call voice right. actors. And so if you think video games or, or, or mm -hmm. uh, animation or something like that, like anything that requires a voice where you're not actually seeing a person, the, mm -hmm. there, it's a little different. So if I'm preparing for a character, let's say for um, some sort of animated TV show or maybe, you know, whatever it might be, then I prepare much like I would as if I were actually a person going to be filmed as the character, right? You need to do right. your character breakdowns. You need to, you know, you need to know who you are, what you want and how you're going to get it, right? Like okay. that's that's acting. <laughs> Who are yeah, you? What yeah. do I want? And how am I going to get it? <laughs> right. right. What's in my way? Uh, right. And so <laughs> it's, it's the same process if I'm going to do it for voice, right? I got to break mm -hmm. down the scene. I got to know who I am. I got to know who the players are. I got to know what I want. And then I mm -hmm. go in and I do that. And just, it just happens to be that my only tool available to me is right. my voice, right? Like mm. I have to convey everything through my voice. Right. For some people that comes super easy and they are like, great at it you know right. and then some people they have to work a little bit harder at it but mm -hmm. you know it's it's it all comes out in the wash though very interesting wow and then wow. for commercials mm -hmm. um you're you're yes you're playing a character unless you are playing the unless you are the voice of the of the product right mm -hmm. so there's the character voice and then there's what we call the AVO. It's kind of like the announcer in the spot. Okay. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, and, and then there's like, particularly for pharmaceuticals and things like that, there's a part called fair balance. And that is, you know, if you're allergic to so-and-so and so don't take mm. this. If it's, it may, this may cause your thigh to fall off, you know, that <laughs> sort of thing. Right. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> 
Can you imagine working on? <laughs> Listen, there was this one drug that I did an audition for, and you will not believe the list of possible side effects. I was like, oh, who in their yeah. right mind would take this drug? <laughs> it was like, oh, there's a like literally loss yeah. of a leg was a was wow. a comp- a possible complication. Wow. I was like, I don't even know if I can do this 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 audition. I don't support this kind right, of thing. Right. And how do you, how do you keep a straight face? How, how does that work? Like, listen, your leg is gonna fall off. <laughs> <laughs> at twelve fifteen, so <laughs> be be mindful. Be it's mindful. Terrible. <laughs> How do you keep a straight face when you're trying to do a voiceover, and and you're you're announcing that somebody's possibly their leg may fall off? You know, at the oh, second pill. You know, like man, how does that listen, even work? <laughs> you, you, you just, there's there's a process that we call disassociation, right? <laughs> like it's like right, I'm right. gonna disassociate from this, and I'm just gonna give this little bit of information, and I'm going home. Right, right. <laughs> I gotta connect. I gotta disconnect, and I'm going home. Bye. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Give me my check. Uh, oh, yeah, man. and then that's, I that's, think, no, um, that's that's really as, interesting. As a, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, as a voiceover mm-hmm. artist, I think you know, there's 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 a part of it where, and this this is true for actors in general, but particularly right. Right. for voice, since we're talking about that today, there's a lot of voice okay. health things that go into it. So when we're talking okay. about preparing, like, you need to keep your instrument together. So. Mm. If that's less talking, so right now I'm talking to you and I'm talking a lot and, you know, right. talking is the most strain, straining thing that you can do on your voice. So right. you need to get vocal rest. You need to make sure that you are rested. You need to make mm-hmm. sure that you're properly hydrated, that you don't have, you know, things that are causing weird buildups in your body. You know, like right. all these kinds of things are really important because the microphone, like mm-hmm. the camera, misses nothing. Right, right. That is true. The mic will pick up everything. 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 <laughs> As they say, everything. <laughs> pick, pick it all up. Pick it all up. All the things. Not, yeah, yeah. Now that's pretty cool. Now, um, going to like role models. Do you have a role model that that you know of or that has crossed your mind as far as getting like working in the voiceover world? Because you know, just curious. Is there anybody that you looked up I'm to sorry, in the darling, voiceover we world? Just or had did a you just say? So we had a, a tech issue just now, so I just need you to repeat okay. that. The last no, thing no I worries. heard was the first time you <clears throat> no said worries. role model. I said, um, did you? No, no worries. I said, did you have a, any particular person in mind as a role model growing up um, in the voiceover world? I didn't. I mean, first of all, when I was growing up, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a voiceover world, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, mm-hmm. it, it's right. not even a thing that you think about. And I've, and now that I'm so immersed in it and I tell people I do voiceovers, they're like, what are you talking about? What does that mean? And so I'm like, right. yeah, well, anytime you see something on screen but you and you, you hear a voice but you don't see the person talking, that's right. voiceover. And they're like, oh, I never would have even thought about that. <laughs> and so... <Hello>. <laughs> That was me growing up, right? It was like I didn't know. I don't know sure. from voiceover. I have no idea. So I guess, <laughs> in a long-winded way, to answer your question, no, right. I didn't have any voiceover role models because I didn't know it existed. Right. No, that's not a bad thing. I mean, it, it's it's a different, um, it's a different layer of life. You know, when you when you walk into things and it's new and 
you're trying to figure, you know, find your way, so to speak, in that world. And that's that's pretty cool. I mean, because, I mean, voiceovers is, is a very big business that people, like you say, they just don't know about. They have no idea, yeah. you know, what goes on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And every commercial you watch and every um, basketball game or whatever kind of commercial you watch, movies, you know, intros, it's all voiceover. Right. Even like awards shows. Right. Like there's a there's a person who's mm-hmm. who's announcing all that stuff live. We call that mm-hmm. the voice of God. Right. Like because that's the that's the mm-hmm. voice that, every, that booms throughout the studio, throughout the theater rather. Right. And, you know, uh, and, and so that happens all over the place. I have one of my friends does a lot of voice of God for uh, ESPN. I'm so jealous of her. I can't even stand wow. it. But <laughs> she nice. does this stuff all the time. I'm like, the yo. voice of God. I love it. I love <laughs> So I asked one of my agents was, I was like, listen, how do I get to do these voice of God things? Because I have a couple friends who do it. And she was like, well, first of all, we have to kill your friends. <laughs> I'm like, ah! <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> I was like, dude, what? <laughs> Say, time is up. Listen, um, you have another job, so I'm taking your spot. <laughs> that is so funny wow that is so funny the voice now where did that come from the voice i've never heard that term before the voice of god i'm not sure but you know i imagine mm-hmm. uh, if you're let's say you're at the oscars right and there is someone mm-hmm. who is mm-hmm. reading all these things that are happening so here we have right. uh denzel washington and halle berry to present the award for best supporting actor right like that voice booms right. throughout the theater right so any voice that's coming to you from on high and <laughs> fills the whole space i would imagine would mm-hmm. be considered like the voice of god that's how I think wow. about it. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, and that's the, you have to really be on your game, on your A game, because you can't have, you can't make any mistakes. Oh my well, God, no! That's like, oh my Lord! That's like, <laughs> <laughs> then you'll be the the voice of reason. <laughs> <laughs> be like, oh no! It's like, what what just happened? Like, what is this? You're supposed oh. to be the voice of God. And like, no, but I made a mistake. You know, that's interesting. Like, oh wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Now I gotta ask you, um, where, what um, television shows have you performed on? Um, what what type of work have you done as far as acting and uh, and musically? I'd be interested to hear that. Um. Yeah. Okay. So acting, I've done a number mm-hmm. of of indie films, both short and feature mm-hmm. length. Uh, I've done right. some television stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I did quite a bit of, of soap opera work back when there were lots more soap operas on the air. Unfortunately, they have gone by the wayside, but, uh, I often played a nurse in soap operas. (laughs) So, uh, let's see what, uh, the guiding light and, um, oh my gosh, as the world turns, I worked. And so I worked on as the world turns the most, um, I, played Dave Chappelle's wife a couple times on the Chappelle show. So whoop whoop, that's gonna be back on Netflix soon. I think it might actually be back on Netflix now. Um, nice. And yeah, and so I did this one film called um, The Yakuza and the Mermaid, which is an indie film. And it's like okay. the first time that I actually sang on film, which was huh. super exciting. Um, nice, so that nice. was fun, like doing doing that. I played like this uh, torch singer in a nightclub kind of thing, which is really nice. And um, mm-hmm. and then I also recorded an additional song for the soundtrack of that film. So 
Uh, nice. That was that was fun. I love that. Nice. You're so modest with it. Like, oh, you know, I just worked with uh, Dave Chappelle. Um, <laughs> Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. Uh, Netflix. Yeah. How was it working with? <laughs> oh. Because you know, you know, everybody loves Dave Chappelle. How I was it know. Working with, uh, he's Dave great. Chappelle? Listen, Chappelle. He's he's uh, he's a super smart guy and quick as hell. Mm-hmm. And I really, mm-hmm. it was a good time. So when I right. auditioned for it. Um, Mm-hmm. We, uh, you know, it was just it was just a regular audition, and and so you go in and you kind of audition for a lot of different roles at one time when you're doing shows like right. that. Um, mm-hmm. And so I did, and then you know, lo and behold, I booked this job. And so what happens when you're doing television is you book the job, and then we do what's called a table read. And a table read is okay. when all the all the actors and the director get together and sit around a table and actually just read the script. And you do that, and there's very little rehearsal, if any, especially on a show like Chappelle. They move really quickly. Um, And so after the table read, then you kind of show up at set, and you do the job, and then you go home and, you know, mind your business. Um, Well, for this one, I happened to be out of the country for the the table read. And it was like, oh, my God. Like, as the whole scheduling thing was happening, I was like, I really want to go to Paris, but I really want to be in this show. So what am I going to do? Right. Right? Right. And so there was a choice. (laughs) And so the talent coordinator was like, listen, I know you really want to go to France, but I, you know, like, let me let me just try to figure out what I can do. And I was like, please, please, please. Let me get it. Let me do it. So I was fortunate enough to be able to take my trip. And it just meant that I missed the table read so that by the time I got to meet Dave it was on the day of shooting now I'm playing his wife in a bedroom scene so we're in the bed Mm -hmm. so the Mm -hmm. first time I meet him he's in a bed (laughs) and I have to go and get in the bed with him (laughs) right right (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like wait what (laughs) like what is this like hello (laughs) (laughs) it's like okay so you know Mm -hmm. they shoot in in blocks so like i think it was like seven or ten day blocks right like so we're on production and we're just moving from location to location we're just shoot 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 and so the crew of course is they're just already in gear right like they're just moving and i'm just a cog that's getting put in and going to the spot where i'm supposed to go when i'm supposed to be there and so (laughs) i walk into this bedroom Mm -hmm. and because it's like sort of in a location at a house or something and Mm -hmm. um the whole crew they're just around and you know doing their thing and nobody's paying any attention to me but dave bless his sweet sweetheart gets up out of bed and comes over and greets me and you know welcomes me in and (laughs) tries to make me feel comfortable and you know i'm holding myself together i am on the outside but on the inside i'm like oh what am i gonna do (laughs) because you don't know what to expect with him that's the thing you know and you don't know what to expect and again Mm -hmm. if i had had the table read i would have had at least met like i would have met him you know but i just i didn't but it was I mean, it was a smooth night. It went over great. Like it was, it was, it was wonderful. It was a really, really good, a really, really good experience. Nice. I can't even imagine, you know, the first time, <laughs> like, hello, hi. Hi, we're in bed together. Nice to meet you. <laughs> hi. <laughs> and he, he's a funny dude, though. I mean, I remember Charlie Murphy, too. I mean, God rest his soul. Uh, he's a, he was a really good guy, too. Yeah, 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 they, 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 they both. Well, 
he was mm-hmm. and Dave still mm-hmm. is. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next season, uh, for the next year, they invited mm-hmm. me back to play. Uh, I can't even remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this time, I made it to the table read, right? Nice. Nice. <laughs> 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 no you know, friends visit for me. <laughs> <laughs> I walk in and uh, I'm coming in and as it so happens, Dave is coming in at exactly the same time and he's on the stairs behind me. Now, okay. I'm just like, I'm trying to be like a fly on the wall. I don't know. Right. I don't know. He's like, hey, Patrick Neal. I was like, oh, somebody must have told him who I was (laughs) because there's no way he remembered me from last year. (laughs) That's right. You never know. You never Um, know. You never know. Uh, you never know. And so when you um, got that personality, man, it's just, you know. I don't know about that. I, you know, no. So, um, so unfortunately, we were mm-hmm. sh- I was shooting in the early block for that one, but before mm-hmm. we got a chance to shoot, like we, I was booked, we were ready. I'm on standby. Hey, we're in New Jersey. Right. Can you get here? You know, I'm just I'm cool. I'm I'm ready to go whenever you guys right. are. Then mm-hmm. they they canceled because they was like, ah, Dave got the flu. Everybody's down for a week. Okay. Right. Well, the next thing you right. know. Dave has quit the show and he's gone to South Africa and that's yes. it. Yes, yes. That, that like, was. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh. well, that was just crazy. It was, that um, was crazy. But I commend him. I commend him. Yeah. Listen, he did what he needed to do, and whatever. I commend him. Yes, indeed. Whatever that was, I, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, of course, at the right. time we didn't know what had happened, and nobody knew what was going on. And you know, for the first mm-hmm. time, and perhaps the only time in my life, I read something that affected my life on the CNN crawl. And I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. I'm included in that. This I'm, kind I'm, of I'm there. relates to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm included. Why, why is this happening? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I remember that. That was really, um, it was mind-blowing. And nobody can really understand because he's all about, you know, ownership. You know, just like Tyler Perry. You know, you got to own your stuff, man. Yeah, and I think, you know, and from, from what we hear heard from him afterward, mm-hmm. um, you know, his writing partner, Neil Brennan, who's also a really funny guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, they obviously they created the show and they worked on it and, and, and all that. But uh, and this, I think, is a thing for artists like when you start to feel like you're losing control of your piece. Right. right. Like this thing that you created is becoming something that you did not intend. Sure. That sure. can really screw with you. Like mm. really screw with you. And so, I think they wanted to, was it on, I think they originally, they wanted to own or uh, take control of the, like you said, the uh, creative, creative side of, uh, of the show. And right. Well, the fact is that comedy central owned the show, right? It was their show. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and to not get into all the legalities and technicalities sure. of you know show ownership and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but it is theirs to sort of do what they want to do with it, and, and so that's right. kind of how we got to this place now, where Netflix was um, trying to revive it and put it back on you know and put it on their thing, and he was like, "Listen, I'm not getting paid for that, and I'd like you to take it down," and they did, right. and so right. now thankfully, um, Dave has worked out the deal with Viacom where he's actually getting compensated for okay. the use of his work. Right. And so again, right. this brings right. us back to the collective bargaining, right? Like where does the artist fit and how do mm. you get compensated for your creativity, your brilliance, your work, your whatever right. going forward. If someone else owns your stuff, like what is that? Right. <laughs> right? What is that? <laughs> right. Right. So it's wow. interesting times that we live in, um, you yeah. know, this this ownership. Right. 
Very interesting. I mean, I love the show. Can't wait to see you back on. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing your thing. You're doing big things. I'm, ha- I'm so proud of you, and I'm so happy for you, and I know you're going to do extremely well. Thank what you. I want to ask you is the difference between directing and acting. Mm. Like, the two. Like, they're two different worlds. How do you, one day you're, you're acting in a uh, Chappelle show, and then the next day or the next week you're directing a film. How, how do you wear two hats? How does that work? Well, for me, the, the hats are not all that different um, mm-hmm. because while as a director, uh, I'm not saying the things and I'm not doing the things, right. there is still a great part of the, the, the working relationship between actor and director where you two together carve out what the character is, right, and how it's right. all going to be. That's... That's the nature of, of, of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I can never even remember which came first, right? Like, I don't know whether I was an actor first or a director first, but I know okay. that there's a lot of symbiosis between those two roles for me. Okay. So if I'm going to say, all right, I need to break this scene down, and let's, you know, we'll bring it down to the scene level, right? Mm-hmm. As the director, I'm thinking, all right, who are we? What do we want? And how are we going to get there? The only difference is I need to be thinking about that for more than one character if I'm the director, right? Mm -hmm. Versus being the actor where I'm thinking about it only for myself and how it relates to what it is that I need. And so Mm -hmm. as the director, it's just kind of shaping, helping to shape all of those performances to to get you to the vision that you have in your head and your heart, right? Okay. What does it, and so for me, it's what does it feel like? So mm-hmm. everything for me is how does it feel, right? Okay. Um, and there are a lot of directors who are really concerned about look and, you know, what's the the visual aesthetic of it. And, and that's all very, very important to me too. But to me, the visual aesthetic informs or uh, serves the feel of something to me okay um and so that's that's the place that i work from Mm -hmm. whether i'm acting or directing or singing or or any of it and so it's all kind of the same thing to me Hmm. makes sense makes a lot of sense that's a really interesting uh not too many people can pull that off you know acting and directing that's that's a big big challenge it is a lot, and mm. I, I don't like to direct myself, <laughs> um, <Right>. you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I worked for years uh, doing a live sketch comedy show um, where I did a tremendous amount of directing for that, and mm. I was also an actor in the show, and I would tell my co-producing partner, like, listen, don't cast me in things that you want me to also direct right. because it's t- I'd, I like to be immersed in one thing or the other, <laughs> right? And then <laughs> having, having to watch myself as the director director just kind of takes you right. out of it as an actor to me and and for a live show it'd be different right. if I think I think I've not done this but I think it might be different if I were directing myself on camera then you could just be that in it be and challenge. then go back and watch yourself and see whether or not you got right. what you wanted as the director right like did I deliver for my director who is also me <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, sit down. Okay. Didn't I tell you? Did you did you do it right? <laughs> did you get it right? Like, did you do it right? I don't know. <laughs> that that's pretty. I mean, you got to be like super talented in order to pull those things off. I mean, I, I don't know how 
anybody can pull it off, but I mean, God bless anybody that can pull it off because you have to wear two hats. Again, you know, two personalities. Mm-hmm. You have to be super creative to pull these things off. And that leads me to our next thing. Um, you launched uh, the Plays the Things. Is that right? The Plays the Thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. The Plays the Thing. I, I, I'll drop the S. <laughs> the Plays the Thing. Um, <laughs> Tell me, like, I got a problem with that S today. I don't know what it is. Okay, but tell me, um, <laughs> like, just let everybody know, like, what happens with the plays, the thing. Well, that was a project I did some numbers, some some number of years ago, um, where mm-hmm. I was essentially kind of documenting an acting class mm-hmm. um, nice. over time, and so okay. with this class, it was, and so it was like really new people who were super new to acting, right? Like they didn't even mm-hmm. like they don't know what they're doing; they're just trying to figure it out. A lot of people were just kind right. of there having fun, and you know, some people were taking it seriously and whatever so there was a lot of different personalities and a lot of different um uh intentions in the room um and so the class was set up so that they they would learn acting techniques and things like that but then it all led to a performance at the end of the class uh Mm -hmm. which is always interesting (laughs) 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 so So, uh, it was Mm -hmm. really, it was taking a look at what the process is as an actor, um, Mm -hmm. the work that goes into that and just sort of the human foibles that can kind of get in your way as you pursue a craft, right? Acting is very much a craft. And I think a lot of people think, oh, you're just getting up there and you're just doing, yeah, that's not it at all. And so for me, the most interesting thing was to see how folks came to grips with oh, this is more work than I thought. (laughs) Like, oh, this is very specific. Oh, this is very taxing, right? Right. Like you have to put your whole self into Mm -hmm. the work in order for it to be any good at all. And um, we did have this one woman who, you know, she was kind of in it to be the star. The star. She's the star. star. I love it. And she just loved the idea of being an actress, you know, and like, you know, having this whole thing go. And then when it came down right. to it, like, she really kind of freaked out <laughs> when it came mm-hmm. time to when really. Rea- when reality said it. <laughs> reality you know, said it's like, wait listen, a minute. I don't think like, I want to do you, this. You got to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> she was like, ah, it's like whoa. I don't know. like whoa i don't think i want to do this it it doesn't it looks easy but it's not easy it's it's a craft right um, like you said you know you got to really like do your homework right and i think you know this is this is true in a lot of the performing arts i think people who uh what we call civilians uh they Mm -hmm. don't they only see the finished performance right and and that's fine right that's all you're supposed to see right like you're Mm -hmm. you're not Mm -hmm. supposed to see all the work um but because people don't see all the work they Mm -hmm. tend to think that there's not a lot of work that goes on behind you know like they just don't realize what kind of work it is and the kind of training and the kind of vulnerability you have to have and emotional access and all these kinds of things that, you know, people just aren't thinking about uh, at all, at all. So then you get to those people, oh, well, anybody can do that. Yeah, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that simple. If if everybody, you know, was had the, uh, the talent to do that, everybody would be doing it. 
You know, everybody's not that lucky. Yeah, and I think, you know, talent, honestly, Mm -hmm. is half the battle and not even half, right? Like, because I've seen people who are immensely talented but can't get themselves together to do the work or to do the work consistently, to, like, work consistently and that sort of thing. So, you know, talent is one thing, but Mm -hmm. work ethic will get you there. I've seen people who are far less talented but mm-hmm. have a crazy work ethic and right. just keep at it and keep doing it, and they are successful because right. they work at it. Makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. Pretty impressive. But they yeah. work at it, and you have to work at it to get you know where you are. You you know, do, well, listen, I, I'm, uh, my work ethic kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet as it's kept. I find it hard to believe. Look, 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 I find it hard to believe. Quiet I, I know as how. To, I know. I listen. I already know how talented you really are. You being very modest. You know. Oh, I'm just. You know. I really. You know, think listen. I, I was. I was just telling mm-hmm. my friend the other day. Mm-hmm. I said, Listen. If I could. If I applied myself, I could really get somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but she time. cracked up. She said, Man, shut up. Everything takes time. Everything is about time and timing. As you say, timing is. Everything. everything yeah yeah and it really does you know things really do take time and i think you know you build mm-hmm. a career over a number of years and sometimes over oftentimes over a number of decades you know sure. and there's a you know there's a saying like yeah every overnight success that you see took 20 mm-hmm. years to build man it like and that's not a joke that's right. <laughs> like people who <laughs> just pop up out of nowhere Don't just pop up out of nowhere, first of all. That's the Mm -hmm. thing. That's the truth of it. And Mm -hmm. the rare people who come in super young and get super successful, that is the exception to the rule. It is not the rule at all, at all, at all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if anybody wants to uh, get into the industry or, you know, this is your love, this is your passion, you know, man, it takes time, A, to build the skill, B, to build the maturity, C, to mm-hmm. get the life experience, you know, and then all that other stuff that goes along with it. It's right. uh, it's not a gig that's for the faint of heart. I got to tell you that. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I mean, you, you watch some of these young actors, you know, like think about Macaulay Coughlin. You know, he just exploded mm-hmm. onto the scene. And like you said, they're far and few. You know, Few and far between, actors. exactly. Like a, a like a Justin Bieber on the music scene, for example, yeah. right? Like he came right. out of seemingly nowhere. But right. if you go back and look, like as young as he was, he was mm-hmm. working his craft then, right? Like he was right. playing guitar on YouTube. He was singing songs on YouTube. And then we found out about him. It's not like right. he was pushed out of the womb and was doing right. baby, baby, baby. Oh. You know what right. I mean? Like that didn't for happen. Sure. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it didn't happen. Can you imagine? <laughs> 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 that's a hot song. <laughs> no, that's pretty cool though. But um, you know, my I, I bring you to this um before we get out of here, I need to know what is Patronila working on? Anything big coming up? What are you working on? What do you what are your plans for the future? And let me know and you know. Ooh, chow. Yeah. Um yeah. so one thing that I'm working on, mm-hmm. uh that I'm really excited about, and I don't even mm-hmm. like to talk about it because I'm like all a titter. <laughs> 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 but I am working on my first solo album project. Nice. And um, yeah, so it's we're super, super early in the process. We're still writing. Um, mm-hmm. I have a 
wonderful team of writers that I'm working with um, to develop, you know, my songs, my voice, my style, like all of that stuff. So we're very early in the process. Like it was supposed to be a 2020 project, but Mm -hmm. you know, 2020. Absolutely. Yeah. Turned into 2020 and <laughs> everything. 2020 else. turned into 2025. Oh, sweet Lord. <laughs> oh, sweet Lord. Uh, <laughs> you didn't hear from me, though. You didn't hear from me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> you know, after yeah. being derailed by all the things that happened over the last 12 months, right. um, you know, I just, you know, within the last couple of weeks or so, got back in touch with my team and mm-hmm. said, listen, hey, I'm ready to start getting back to it and you know we just sat down in some meetings and uh we're gonna start moving forward so the the hope the hope is Mm -hmm. to have new music available by the end of this year okay we'll see how it goes you know you just you never know like i can you know you can you can pick a date and be like yeah okay (laughs) sure but the good thing about it though the good thing about it is that you own you have complete control of when you release the date complete control of the songs that you sing. Right. You don't have to deal with major labels, you know. Right. They control your whole thought process. Right. Yeah, you know, you know it's like listen, I I'll, I'll tell you this, like singing mm-hmm. is my first love, music is my first love. And mm-hmm. and few people know that because mm-hmm. I spent most of my professional career as an actor and a director. So when I say, yeah, singing is my jam, they're like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> But, (laughs) uh, you know, I was scared of it for such a long time. Um, And it took me a while to, you know, kind of get myself around how much I wanted it. Right. Right. So uh, once I got grown enough to Mm -hmm. kind of accept that. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't scared. I ain't scared no more. I ain't scared. I'm going to do this. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it now. <laughs> right, but part yeah. of the fear of it at the time was the right. music industry just kind of yeah. chewed you up and spit you yes. out, and yes. they owned yes. your stuff. They could yes. say what you could do. They were in control of who saw you, how they saw you, like all of that, and that never appealed to me mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it was so personal to me. I wanted to be able to control it, and so right. I think in the way that everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. and that everything comes in in its own perfect time. Now that we're in a space in the industry where indie artists can thrive and survive and, you know, do do what they do the way that they want to do it without with a minimum of of fuss and bother Mm -hmm. is perfect for a person like me. So I'm very Mm -hmm. excited. And what you say is true. Like I get to I control what I record, what I release, when I release it, all of that. So I'm I'm very, very excited about that. And, you know, so 2021 new music from Patronila. New music from Patronina. Well, I got to thank you for 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 your time today. Thank you hey. for coming to uh, to visit us, and, and we had a great time before. And, I, and afterwards, we're gonna have a few minutes to um, finish up where we started off. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, thank um, you no, so I, much for having. No, me. absolutely, really absolutely. It. I mean, you're wonderful. You're a very talented uh, young lady, and I've known you a long time, and and I'm I'm very happy for you. And I can't wait to see um, or hear the album. And um, please, when you do release a single, when you're ready to release a single, I mean, just come back on and, you know, we'll talk about that and, and, and let's get it out across the universe because the oh, universe yeah. needs to hear it. Yeah. 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 I would love to do that. That, uh-huh. uh, that sounds yeah. really cool. Absolutely. 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 So, yeah. So singer, songwriter, producer, actor. 
Um, she does everything. <laughs> she does everything and anything in the entertainment world. She's very, very shy about this, but I'm going to say it. She's a singer, songwriter, producer, actor, voiceover actor, director. She does it all. And I'd like to thank Patronila for stopping by March 5 Music Podcast. And um, I wish you much success. Don't go nowhere. Hold on, okay? Thank you. I will. All right. Thank you.